Hi guys. Welcome to the Advanced Practice Perspectives. I'm Trisha Williams. And I'm Toby O'Brien. This is a podcast created by advanced practice providers for advanced practice providers. We will be highlighting our amazing APPs here at Children's Mercy and do some education along the way. We are so glad that you're joining us. It's time to sit back, tune in, and let's get started. Today, we are so pleased to introduce to you Nicole Hutchison. She is a neonatal nurse practitioner, a pediatric nurse practitioner, and currently working towards her doctorate of nursing practice. Impressive. Holy cow. I know. I was very impressed. So, Nicole, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Hi, guys. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm thrilled to be here. We are super stoked to have you. That's a a lot of education going under your belt, my friend. How about you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and your background? Sure. I grew up here in Kansas City in the northeast area of town. My husband and I have been together for a little over 21 years, and we have three sons who are 11, 12, and 13 years old. I graduated with my BSN from Avila University in 2005. I started as a new grad here in the NICU at Children's Mercy and just immediately fell in love. I was a bedside nurse for about seven and a half years before I transitioned to my role as an NNP. I completed my MSN at UMKC in 2013 and then went back and completed a postmaster certificate to become a pediatric nurse practitioner in 2019, also at UMKC. And then now I'm currently enrolled in the DNP program at Duke University and just finished my first semester. So you could consider me to be a lifelong learner. I love that. You are a lifelong learner for sure. Tell me a little bit about your goal of getting a pediatric nurse practitioner as well as your neonatal nurse practitioner. That intrigues me. I love being a neonatal nurse practitioner and the population is just, they're just my favorite. But really what prompted me to get a PNP is not as quite of a rosy picture. I was extremely burned out within the first two to three years of transitioning to my role and was just completely overwhelmed and was really looking for an exit plan if I needed one. And so I decided to go back to school so that I would have options if I needed to exercise them. So again, not not quite a rosy picture, but it's what it is. Well, that makes sense. I I mean, the NICU is such a different world than what Trisha and I work in currently. So tell us a bit about the NICU and the NNPs that are there, how many of you guys are there, and a little bit of maybe a picture of what your days and nights, I guess, look like. I think a lot of people within Children's Mercy are really surprised to learn how large our group is. So we have 84 neonatal nurse practitioners in our group. 10 of whom are brand new and were hired in 2020. So we're always kind of growing. Um, So there's our NICU at Mercy is an 84 bed level four unit. And then in addition to providing service there, Children's Mercy nurse practitioners provide NICU coverage at seven area metro hospitals. And we provide 24 seven in-house coverage at those seven facilities and nurse practitioners staff those level two to level three NICUs there. And those combined NICUs have an additional total bed capacity of about 90 beds. Wow. Holy cow. I had no idea. Yes. Children's Mercy has a very strong presence in the NICU world in our city, which is great for the, for the babies of Kansas City. Because as it stands now, I believe that every hospital in Kansas City, whether 
it's a Children's Mercy affiliated facility or another organization has in-house nurse practitioner coverage for the NICUs, which is great for all the babies. Fantastic for the babies, but how stressful and such a huge responsibility for your group of NNPs. Wow. No wonder you have burnout interests and concerns for burnout, which we'll get to later on in the podcast. So, but wow, that is extremely impressive, the amount of nurse practitioners that are present throughout our community. But kind of explain to us what your role is and what you guys do um, at Children's Mercy and what you would do at those other institutions that we're represented at. Sure. So at Children's Mercy, we are there 24 hours a day. Um, During the day team, we manage a team of anywhere from probably average 10 to 12 neonates in the unit. And we round on them and come up with plan of cares with our multidisciplinary team, um, deal with families and kind of typical what people would think of as care. In our outlying metro hospitals, we are there 24-7. In addition to managing kids in the NICU who aren't quite as sick as our Mercy population and the numbers aren't quite as high, we also go to high-risk deliveries. And so we're kind of in-house to provide those services because you never know when something is going to walk in the door. Very stressful, but amazing all in the same token. And I bet a day goes by pretty quick, a 24-hour shift. I'm sure, gosh, that seems like you're busy most of the time. Yes, we are. We don't do 24-hour shifts at all of our facilities because they are too busy to allow that to be safely achieved. Yeah, we have to sleep sometime, correct? Yes, that's what I'm told. Yeah. So what facilities do you mainly staff yourself? So I go, of course, to Children's Mercy and then Liberty Hospital and North Kansas City Hospital are my sites that I currently go to. Eventually, I will likely start going up to Mosaic and St. Joseph, um, but I'm not credentialed there yet, which, as you know, takes a long paperwork process Mm. to complete. I can only imagine it takes a, a little while at Children's Mercy, let alone to get credentialed at outside institutions. Yes, and they all have their separate requirements and forms, and so it's it can be quite daunting at times. Now, do you do certain procedures and have certain privileges at, at institutions versus the other, or are they all the same? And what procedures and things do you carry? They are all the same. And so neonatal nurse practitioners, we intubate, we put kids on mechanical ventilation, we do chest tubes, we do thoracentesis, umbilical lines, central lines, LPs, suprapubic bladder taps, which we get credentialed for, but I've only done one in my entire life. And then some of the practitioners are credentialed to do circumcisions as well. I think that's all. Oh, that's that seems like a lot. Wow. A lot of procedures. She goes, I think that that's all that we do. And I am sitting here just being like, you think that's all that you do? That is... Yes. Amazing. Like, how do you train for that? Do you do you train underneath a neonatologist for a prolonged period of time or a senior nurse practitioner that trains you? Or is that something that you also learn in school? Both school. We have a, a fairly intense schooling process where we get lots of practice there. And then once we transition as a new grad NNP, we're on orientation for three months and train under a more experienced nurse practitioner. That is really awesome. And now, do you have any special interests within the NICU? I do. I actually have, they all kind of fall under one umbrella of trauma-informed care, which is really cultural paradigm shift that the NICU is currently kind of going through. 
and it really just encompasses the awareness that families have stressors and toxic stress that they bring to the table that affects their care and care of their infants, and then how we as providers can implement sensitive practices to try to mitigate some of that stress and trauma that they have. Um, and then it also speaks to building resilience at work for the providers. So it's really an approach that takes everybody in the healthcare team, patients, families, and clinicians into account to make sure that everyone is their very best. I know that there's been a huge culture shift within Children's Mercy for the past, I would say, what, a couple of years about this trauma-informed care. And I remember um, hearing some lectures and things about it. And it's very true to form, and it's something that we really truly need to take into consideration as providers um, of how we help educate our families and take care of them and help them nurture their children and grow. So I think that what you're doing is amazing and very important and relevant for sure. Yes, we're very lucky. Patty Davis is the Trauma and Forecam Program Manager, and she, along with Dina Hubbard, who is one of our neonatologists, are currently doing a research study in the NICU for all the care providers. So not just nurses and RTs, but also everybody who comes into contact with patients and families in the NICU, even who we think of as being like not clinical people, um, of becoming a trauma-informed unit, doing kind of a pre and post measurement that they are about halfway through. Um, trying to understand the role of how stress affects everybody um, and assessing whether the knowledge and kind of those those programs that you're talking about, those educational offerings, how receiving those affects um, how people are able to care for the patients and families and for themselves. I am sure it can be very stressful and these poor parents that um, unexpectedly deliver their baby at 25 weeks or 28 weeks, um, the trauma that goes along with that, um, that would be pretty heavy. Now, do you have, as a group, peer-to-peer, like I am so lucky and fortunate I get to work with I mean, probably 13 other APPs and ENT. So do you typically have another NNP with you at the site that you're at, or is it maybe only you? It's only us. When we are at our metro facility hospitals, we are in-house 24-7 alone. And then our attending neonatologist comes and we round on kids and make plans for the day, um, update families, and then he or she leaves and you got us. Okay, that's great. Great, but... um... Overwhelming, I bet. You know, Nicole, you had mentioned earlier in the podcast about burnout, and that's why you went back to get your pediatric nurse practitioner is because you were feeling burnt out and overwhelmed. So will you be able to share kind of that journey with us? Sure. We, as a group, you know, we're at our individual hospitals, so we kind of work in silos. And when I'm at North Kansas City for a month or at Liberty for a month, I kind of have my finger on the pulse of what's going on in that individual hospital for that month. But I'm really kind of disconnected from Olathe or from Shawnee Mission or Truman because that's just not the world that I live in and I don't see those practitioners. And so when you spend these times at the outside facilities, it's not a matter of if, when someone's going to come in abrupted and there's an unforeseen neonatal event, sometimes the kids die, sometimes they don't and they go out, but it's still a really traumatic um, event for everyone involved. And what I found was that we didn't know that someone had a bad delivery. So we didn't know to reach out and say, hey, how are you doing? 
Um, it just kind of accidentally happened with me that I was at Mercy one night and heard that transport was on their way to a hospital for 25-week twin abruption that they were trying to code. And so I looked to see what practitioner was on, and it was one of my close friends. Um, and just knowing that she was not going to have support after in a formal way, but that she's my person so that I would reach out. And so I got with her and drove out to her house and kind of spent some time with her. But then I had had my own kind of sentinel event about two months prior with a term abruption, prolonged code, and then neonatal death that I didn't even have a real kind of meaningful debriefing peer-to-peer support after that happened. In fact, it happened like at seven o'clock in the morning, like at shift change that happened. I went home, took a shower, and then went to PNP clinicals for the rest of the day and just kind of just moved on from there. And so when I was comforting my friend who I could recognize needed help, then of course kind of brought up my own stuff. And then she and I said, okay, we have to change this. So who I'm talking about, her name is Jen Neiman. And so she and I kind of developed a peer-to-peer support group within our NNP group to kind of help with these events. We have a group of NNPs who were nominated by our entire group, um, and we kind of came up with a training program for them. We have an email set up for people to send us referrals to, and then other practitioners text us. And it's just really basic, like, hey, so-and-so had a bad delivery, and then we match a peer supporter to the NNP, and they reach out and kind of go from there. Oh, that sounds very helpful, and I'm sure just very needed for your group. It is. It's really just brand new. We've really officially kind of rolled out all the pieces this last fall, Um, but even you know, the last May when we were developing it, we went to our NMP group and said, listen, we want to develop this group. These are our thoughts. These are ideas. You know, tell us who you want. When your world falls apart, who do you want calling you? Who do you, you know, who's someone that you trust? And they're going to kind of help pick you up and dust you off. And we got tons of names from our group. So there was a lot of engagement early on from them, which is amazing. I find it inspiring that you took a situation, a very personal situation, and turned it into something that the rest of your peers can benefit from, Nicole. So what you're doing is amazing and very much needed work. So kudos for you guys for taking your experience and recognizing the need of others. Nicely done. It's horrible that it has to happen, but nicely done. It is. I agree. I think, though, as a group, we, NNPs, you know, we know that, it's like I said earlier, it's not a matter of if one of these events is going to happen, but when. And it's just kind of a part of our job. It's not surprising. We all know that when we sign on to do this job. And so we all just roll with it, and we're not dealing with it in a healthy way, and we're bad about asking for help. I can handle this. I've got it. It's expected. This is what I do. This is my job. So why would I need help doing my job? And we do. We need help recovering from these things. And so we're trying to kind of shift the way we see the traumas that we experience and just change the focus of our group. 
I can only imagine how disconnected the feeling could be if you didn't have those groups. You know, you were saying and mentioning that when you're at Liberty, like you don't know what's going on at Truman. But I can only imagine, too, when you're working at those institutions to feel totally disconnected from Children's Mercy altogether. So I could imagine that maybe having this peer support group makes you more connected back to your roots, like your home base. So like Children's Mercy is your home base. Um, Is that true? Do you think that that is where you can get reconnected to home base? That is 100% true. In fact, when I, at the end of the month, when I'm at whatever facility, I'll tell the nurses like, okay, I'm going home. I'll see you in two months or three months. But that's what I always refer to as Children's Mercy as my home. Well, can you tell us this doctorate of nursing practice, tell us what it will be your focus with that. And um, does Duke have a program that you were just very interested and why did you choose to go there? So I initially, Jen and I have been doing a lot of work kind of developing this program and was planning to kind of grow the peer support program a little further um, as my DNP focus. I was previously at a different institution and that was the direction I was going, but ended up not being a good fit for me. So when I started at Duke this past fall semester, about halfway through, I kept being drawn to health disparities in healthcare, the inequities between black patients and white patients, and with the disparities that are so visible with COVID and just a lot of things that have been not brought to the front the way that they should have been, it drew my attention and just drew me away. And so I would do the work early in the semester, kind of going back to peer support because I love peer support. But what I kept doing in my own time was all the other stuff. And so midway through, I decided to kind of change my focus. And so now I'm hoping to find a way to incorporate how do the implicit biases that we all have, these unconscious things that every single individual carries, how do they affect care to our patients? How do they affect health inequities? And how as an individual, both myself and then in a group, and then as a hospital-wide organization, what changes can we make to eventually change and shift those um, inequities to make it better for all of our patients? Great. I mean, again, much needed work to be done there. So thank you for doing that work as well. We really appreciate you spending time with us today and sharing your expertise. I really didn't know much about the NICU. So it's been really fun hearing about it and hearing what the NNPs do and goodness, how many of you there are and how you represent so much. And thank goodness for the Kansas City babies that have access to Children's Mercy care. I think that's fantastic. Yes, I love the population we serve. I am still in awe about the number of neonatal nurse practitioners. There's 400 advanced practice providers, give or take, at Children's Mercy. And you said 84 neonatal nurse practitioners. That's almost a fourth of our population. And the fact that I feel like I did not know a good amount about what neonatal nurse practitioners do or what you serve, this has been just enlightening. So yes, thank you so much for sharing your expertise with us. Well, thank you. And just so you know, um, even within the neonatal population, it is not a homogenous group. Like we have our fetal health center that does high-risk deliveries. We have people who see like red-orange trike vent kits, like you guys are aware of, you know, so people who love that population. We have this small baby unit who's all micro preemies. We have 
you know, surgery team within the NICU. We have the pink team, which is all congenital heart malformations. So if there's ever kind of people are wanting more or, you know, what else do we do? Like there's this whole world within the NNP population that my peers would, I would sure be love to come back and just kind of go more in depth about about what we bring to the table for the patients we serve. Oh, that's fabulous. It is a different world. It's a really, well, small world, but apparently very big in the NICU. So that's really helpful. I have a song in my head now. Thank you. I have the Aladdin, the whole new world song in my head. Because it is. It's, it is. It's a whole new world that I think that um, not very many of us have the privilege of being aware of. So I'm really excited for our listeners to learn more about it. Well, good. Thank you. I hope that it comes across well and that they enjoy it. Nicole, since this is a new year, 2021, we are ending each podcast on a new different question. So our question for you is if you could go back in time to that first year that you had been a neonatal nurse practitioner, and if you could give yourself some advice, what would that advice be? Well, I know it would to just be more kind to myself. When we're transitioning into our new roles, we feel like we have to know the answers and we have to prove ourselves. And, you know, we feel this huge sigh of relief when we pass boards because, whoo, I'm done and I've made it. But then the real work starts when you transition to the role. And I just remember feeling inept and feeling like I didn't belong. Um, but I have never said that to my peer who graduated at the same time as me. I would have been more supportive of her and loving towards her but I wasn't that way with myself. Um, so just having kind of more realistic expectations and just being kind to myself. Another thing I didn't do a whole lot that I wish I would have was when I got the intubation on the first attempt, when my lines went where they were supposed to go, you know, it was just like, well, yeah, you know, that's my job. That's what I do. But there was never a little silent, like high five to myself, like, yes, you know, you've been practicing on mannequin dolls and, you know, you got it in the real world and you can do this. But I didn't allow myself those kind of quiet moments. Yeah, that deserves to be celebrated for sure. So that's really good advice for new nurse practitioners, new providers, you know, celebrate yourself, enjoy yourself, enjoy your wins, but also give yourself some grace. You know, that's how that's what I like to call it. I don't call it being nice to myself. I call it giving myself some grace. We give everybody else grace but ourselves. Correct. So that would be my advice to my young practitioner self is just give yourself some grace. I love it. Nicole, I really, truly have enjoyed speaking with you today and our time together. It's been a blast. Listeners, thank you so much for tuning in today and join us for our next episode. We will be talking with Tiffany Mullen about her role as a clinical nurse specialist in the PICU. If you have a topic that you would like to hear about or you're interested in being a guest on our podcast, please email us at tdobrien at cmh.edu or twilliams at cmh.edu. Once again, thanks so much for listening to the Advanced Practice Perspectives podcast.